If you have your Bibles this morning, let's open them to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And uh, while you're turning there, um, I'm going to share with you real quick. Those of you that know my ministry, you know I got healed of an incurable disease after the first 22 years of my life. I finally started coming to a church like this one, got under a good pastor like Pastor Tony. And for the first time in my life, I heard that Jesus was a healer still. You know, I'd, I was raised in church, and I was taught that, you know, healing and miracles had been done away with. That all ceased when the last apostle died, and, and it's not God's will to heal everybody. Sometimes he puts sickness on you to teach you and humble you and get your attention, all those uh, unscriptural things that people say. And uh, finally, though, I heard the truth, and I got healed. And so through, through many years, I've walked in divine health. I've been attacked n- numerous times in my body. I think maybe because I'm on the front lines, I get attacked more than most people. But uh, the de- that's because the devil hates my guts. But the feelings are mutual. Yeah. And he's under my feet. I have dominion and authority over him. So I'm not afraid of him. He's afraid of me. And so I'm not worried about that. But he does attack. And so I wanted to share this with my family here. I'm going to share both services, the same thing this morning. But I got attacked last June with cancer. And it started growing. It it. it, it kept growing right next to my ear on my left side of my face right here and and um, devil wanted to take me out and I've, I actually took a picture of the tumor as it got bigger and bigger just so I could show people that I really did uh, co- overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony and uh, so I continued to stand against the tumor against the cancer the Lord actually spoke to me and told me it was cancer so I knew it was but that didn't that didn't bother me because there's nothing incurable to Jesus. So that's just man's idea. That's man's opinion, but not God's. And uh, so when it continued to grow and I kept rebuking it and it continued to grow and I kept rebuking it, it continued to grow. uh, I just decided, you know what, I'm going to take a few days, just about three days and just fast and seek the Lord and just spend some extra time in the word. And so I did that. And then I did, you know what we, what we mean by drawing a line in the sand? I just decided this is it. I've, I've had it. I'm not having this thing. It had gotten by September. It had gotten pretty big. I'll show you the picture here in just a second. And uh, I just drew a line in the sand. And I did what Mark 11:22 says. It says, have faith in God. And then the next verse tells you how to release that faith. For whosoever shall say to the mountain, whether it's a mountain of cancer, a mountain of fear, whatever, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes what he says shall come to pass, he'll have what he says. So I just spoke to that thing and I said, you will not stay on me. Cancer, I curse you at the very roots. You die, you wither, you get off my body. And then about a month later, it was withering and drying up, and then it finally disappeared. Let's show, you, show them a picture of it real quick, just so you can see what I'm talking about. So this is the real deal. This was growing on the side of my face here. And by the way, that's the before. Here's the after. <laughs> so, so if you want to come take a picture of the after so you can see the before and after, that's fine. I'll let you. You can take that gross thing off now. My wife was actually teasing me when I took the picture. She said, honey, why are you taking a picture of that ugly thing? I said, honey, I got to have proof. I want people to be able to see that you can believe God. In fact, I had a couple of my minister friends, when they found out that I was being attacked with cancer, they said, well, have you been to the doctor? I said, yes, I went to my doctor. They said, what did he say? I said, my doctor said, Larry, you know I bore that for you, don't you? 
I said, yes, Doc, I do know that. He said, you do know that I sent my word and healed you of that, don't you? I said, yes, doctor, I do know that. He says, you do know that I told you if you would attend to my words and incline your ear to my sayings and not let them depart from your eyes and keep them in the midst of your heart, they would be life to you and health to all your flesh. You do know that, Larry, right? I said, yes, doc, I know that. He said, you do know that I am the Lord who heals you, right, Larry? I said, yes, doc. I said, how much is this going to cost me? And he said, it's all free. I took care of all of it. So, yes, I went to the doctor, the only doctor that does not practice medicine. He's perfect. And his medicine, the only side effects are health and wholeness and happy and joy and peace and goodness. And so, yeah, that's the only doctor I did go to. I didn't take any natural medicine, never went to any doctor, although I have a friend of mine that's a nutritionist with all the letters passed her name from her education and said, told me it was cancer. But I, I already knew it was from the, from the Lord. But it didn't bother me. But I wanted to share, and I wanted to share the picture of it and share that because of what we're going to be talking about this morning because when that attacked me, I'm just human like you are, I'm going to be attacked with thoughts. Satan's going to make sure of it. And I'll tell you, to be honest, I've been, I've been attacked with all kinds of sickness and disease through the years. Um, but when this came, and because of that C word, it was amazing how because of what you've heard, incurable, incurable, and, and then you've seen people die of cancer and things like that, it's amazing how... The devil will use that to try and bring fear against your mind. So I was attacked, and i got to be honest, I was attacked with fear more than I ever have been in my whole life. But I would not give it place. Amen. Here's the thing. Just like if you're tempted to yield to sin and you resist it and you don't yield to it, I had to do the same thing with fear. I was tempted to get into fear. I was and, and here's the thoughts that kept coming to try and get me into fear. Your wife's not going to have a husband anymore. Your daughter's not going to have a dad anymore. Your grandbaby's not going to have a granddad anymore. And all these people that have heard you preach all these years are not going to believe what you preach anymore because you're going to die. All these thoughts coming against me. And I just had to keep replacing those thoughts with the Word of God the same way Jesus did. I had to speak, it is written. It is written. It is written. I had to do that. And that's why I was able to overcome that without going through any natural means of all the stuff that you have to go through. And that's why I'm not going to be a statistic from any word, whether it's a C word, cold. Yeah. You understand any C word is no different to God. It's not like God hears cold. Okay, I can heal that. And he hears cancer. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? <laughs> no. No, nothing's too hard for him. Amen. Right? Amen. So... But it's all, all based on, do I really believe this? Am I a believer or am I just a Sunday Christianer? <laughs> See, this is so real to me. That's why I tell people, this, this word is not ink, it's not pages, it's not leather bound. The word of God is from everlasting to everlasting. It's forever settled in heaven and it will never pass away and the Word is the name Jesus. Jesus was the Word in the beginning. He's still the Word. Can I hear an amen? amen. So if you found Colossians chapter 2, that'll be our foundation text for these two services this morning. But before you 
Before we read it here, let me remind you of something Peter said, because we're actually going to be looking at a number of scriptures that probably most, if not all of you, have seen before, heard before, maybe even studied out before. But Peter made this statement in 2 Peter 1, 12 and 13. He said, he said, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, even though you're established in them, I'm going to continue to stir you up and put you in remembrance. I thought it was so interesting what he said there. He said, even though you know what I'm telling you, even though you know what I'm preaching and teaching, and even though you are doing it, in other words, you're actually working the word, you're actually being a doer of the word and it's working in your life. He said, even though all of that's happening, he said, I'm still going to remind you and I'm going to still stir you up. It must mean that this is daily bread and not weekly bread. Jesus didn't pray, give us this day our weekly bread. And yet a lot of Christians, they go to church once a week and they think that's good enough. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. So, so just so you know, when it comes to us walking in health, receiving uh, physical health and healing in our bodies, we're going to have to stay reminded. We're going to have to stay stirred up because what you believe, you know what you believe is called doctrine. In fact, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine. Reproof, correction, instruction, righteousness. But doctrine, if you you really look at at that word doctrine, it refers to someone who, and I'm talking about the the Greek word that it was translated out of, the word doctrine, God's word is profitable for doctrine. It means someone who believes that God is always right, that his word is always truth, and that his ways are always perfect. That's what doctrine, so it's talking about Bible doctrine or God doctrine so that your and my believing is according to what God says, his ways and his thoughts, which are so much higher than than man's thoughts. So let's start here in Colossians chapter 2 this morning, Colossians 2, 6, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and verse 7. It says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted built up in him and established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Abounding in it with thanksgiving. So he says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. How many have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? All right, as you've received him, now it says you're supposed to walk in him. In other words, the way you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior is the way you continue to live the rest of your life. How did you receive Jesus? Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace are you saved through faith. Right? Is that how you receive Jesus? By grace or did you receive it based on your goodness? No, by grace through faith is how you receive. So this verse says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. The way you received Jesus by grace through faith is the way you walk out your day-to-day activities by grace through faith, in your marriage, in your finances, in your emotions, in your health. So just like by grace you've been saved from sin through faith, and your faith was in what Jesus did for you at the cross, then also by grace you've been saved from sickness by releasing your faith in what Jesus did for you at the cross. Are you with me? 
And you could go right on. By grace, you've been saved from depression or anger or stress, worry, by releasing your faith in what Jesus did for you at the cross. By faith, you've been saved from poverty by releasing your faith in what Jesus did for you at the cross. In fact, let's go over to Ephesians chapter 2 since we're quoting that. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. And it says, oh, wait, I see a couple of you turn. My wife told me a couple days ago, we were at another church ministering, and, and my wife said, honey, you've got to slow down. Your electronic Bible's faster than my, my uh, leather Bible. <laughs> so I have to wait for people to turn there sometime. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, for by grace you have been what? Saved. Saved. Through what? Through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So notice verse 8, by grace you have been saved. Grace, it's the Greek word charis. In fact, my, my definition of charis in essence is a benefit of God, a favor from God, and a gift that God gives to man, not because man has earned it or deserved it, but purely because God loves them. That's, that's my paraphrase of the word charis. It's a benefit of God, a favor from God, a gift that God gives to man, not because he's earned it or deserved it, but purely because God loves them. So therefore, your salvation is a benefit. It's a gift. It's a favor from God that's not connected to your performance, but totally based on God's love for you. Again, it says, by grace you have been saved. Now, if you look up the word saved, it's the Greek word sozo, S-O-Z-O, and it means saved, uh, delivered, preserved, protected, healed, made whole. It has all these definitions. And so you, could, you, you would be justified by taking any one of those definitions and putting it in the place of this word saved. And it would be just as scriptural because that's what they heard when it was actually written long ago before it was translated by the King James and, and others. So it says, by grace you've been saved, by grace you've been delivered, by grace you've been preserved, by grace you've been protected, by grace you've been healed, by grace you've been made whole. So if healed and made whole are two of the definitions, then you could use those in place of the word saved. So that shows us just like you're saved from sin by grace through faith, you're also saved from sickness by grace through faith. Are you with me? So the way you received him, remember we just saw Colossians 2, 6, the way you received him by grace through faith is the way you walk in him. Therefore, you are saved or healed or made whole from sickness by grace through faith. Let me say it this way. You are saved or you are healed, or you are made whole in your physical body by grace through faith. Let me, just, let me just go to some other scriptures here real quick. I want to show you this same word saved that's in this verse, by grace you're saved. Uh, the word sozo is used in other places, but it's not translated saved. And I want you to see that it applies to your physical health just like it applies to your salvation from sin. So we're going to look at a few verses here. Turn over to Math, or Mark chapter 5 with me. Mark chapter 5. And you're going to see this same word saved, but it's going to be translated differently by the word. It's the same word sozo, just using one of the other definitions. Mark 5, 23. In fact, let's start in verse 22. 
This is those of you that might remember the story of Jairus whose daughter was about to die and then she did die and Jesus raised her up. But let's read a little bit of this real quick. Mark 5, 23 or 22 says, Behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her. She will be healed and she will live. Come lay your hands on her that she may be healed. Everybody say healed. This is the Greek word sozo, the same one we're looking at in Ephesians 2, 8. By grace you are saved, sozoed, through faith. Come lay your hands on her that she may be sozo, that she may be healed. And so here you can, this proves that healing for the physical body is part of your salvation. That's why if I minister to somebody that's a sinner and I get them to say the sinner's prayer and get them to... Um, uh, become a child of the God, God and part of the kingdom of God, I immediately ask him, now, do you need healing in your body? Because you just got saved, and saved is a big package. <laughs> it includes salvation from sin, salvation from sickness, salvation from mental problems. I mean, it includes the whole package. So do you need something else? Amen, because this word saved so much, means so much more. All right, turn over to Luke chapter 8. It's funny, when I was thinking about saved, I started to tell you guys earlier and then didn't finish, but... Um, that's because I saw so many people that had never heard me preach before. But we started advertising on Google by, by the direction of the Lord. We were actually in prayer. This was almost six years ago now. The Lord, we were in staff prayer, praying for souls. Lord, we were actually found ourselves crying out, Lord, give us the heathen for our inheritance. Lord, you said you'd give us the heathen for our inheritance. And so we were crying out for souls and and all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to us prophetically in that meeting and said, I want you to advertise on Google for souls. Well, we'd never heard anybody did that. I asked around. I didn't know any pastors around the world, didn't know any evangelists or anybody else doing it. And so we just prayed and asked God for direction. And he said, make a separate website from your ministry website and just make it the salvation prayer. And so we did. We got a salvation website set up and all it was was the Lord's, I mean the salvation prayer, what, what some people call the sinner's prayer. And, um, and so the first week we started advertising on Google, we had uh, eight people call our ministry and get saved from the ad in Google. And then the second week we had 12 people call our ministry and get saved. And then the third week we had 22 people call our ministry and get saved. And this just kept escalating. After a couple months we had over 2,000 people get saved from our ads on Google. And you know what we found out? We found out almost all of them did not attend church. When they wanted to find out something, they just went to Google. <laughs> they didn't go to God. <laughs> and so we started believing for 100,000. I don't remember when I was here. I was here a little, a little over two years ago now. The last time I was here, I don't remember what we were at because we started believing for 100,000 and we passed 100,000 and then we started believing for 200,000. Right now, we're over 160,000 people saved on Google. <laughs> Hallelujah. So every one of you, because we have some partners in this church, I'm not going to try and remember every one of you because some will be at the second service, some will be at this one. But uh, if you're a partner, you're getting rewards laid up in heaven for every soul we're getting saved. I just think that is so exciting. I, I love all of our other outreaches. We have, I'm on daily television on Andrew Womack's network, gospeltruth.tv. I'm on Global Kingdom Network out of Detroit, Michigan. So I'm, I, we got a lot of other outreaches in our ministry, but that just, that one floats my boat. <laughs> just, just getting soul saved of people that I've never met. I'll get to meet them when I get to heaven. 
but they're getting saved because they go on Google searching, how do I get saved? And then they have to click on our link out of all the other links. They click on our link, and then when they get to the to the prayer, even if they don't call our ministry, here's how we know that they've read the salvation prayer. They have to scroll down to read the salvation prayer in order for us to get a stat. So we know, even if there are those that haven't been saved, we know the word of God was planted in them and it will not return void. (laughs) Hallelujah. But it's just exciting to, to know that, yes, you can call on the name of the Lord and be saved, but then salvation includes so much more. God wants you to experience his will on earth as same as in heaven. Don't we pray the Lord's prayer, thy will be done on as it is in heaven. So that proves it's God's will, right? Hallelujah. All right, so turn over to Luke chapter 8 with me. Luke chapter 8. Anybody getting anything? Yeah. Luke chapter 8. This is where Jesus heals that that crazy man, you know, they called him possessed of the devil and he would, you know, they would try and bind him with chains and he'd break the chains and he was just out of his mind. But I want you to see what it says in verse 36. Let's start reading in verse 35, Luke 8, 35. Then they went out to see what Jesus had done. They came to Jesus and they found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind in his right mind, and they were afraid. Verse 36, they also who had seen it told them by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed. Was what? Wow, I thought he was delivered, but this says he was healed. This is the same Greek word sozo, for by grace you have been saved or sozoed. So the word healed in this verse proves that healing or even deliverance from demonic activity is part of salvation. Hallelujah. He was in, verse, I like that, verse 35, he was in his right mind. So even if you're not in your right mind, salvation can put you in your right mind. Hallelujah. Now turn to Acts chapter 14 with me. Acts chapter 14. And we'll read verses 8, 9, and 10. Paul was preaching in Lystra here. And so we'll start in verse 8, Acts 14, verse 8. It says, in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a crippled from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. So then we know what Paul spoke or preached. He preached the gospel, right? And it said, Paul then, observing him intently, saw that the man had faith to be healed and then said to him with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And the man leaped and walked. So back in verse 9, it said, Paul noticed this man. He said, Paul was observing him intently. And then it said, he saw that he had faith to be what? Healed. Healed. This word healed is the word sozo, the same one we're looking at in Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you have been sozoed, you have been saved. Here, this man was crippled from birth. So so really, he wasn't just uh, healed from like some disease. He was made whole. Remember, we found out the word sozo means made whole. And so that means sickness or being physically made whole. Maybe somebody had an injury and they need to be made whole, not healed of a sickness. That's part of your salvation package. This man, he was both healed and made whole. So that means healing and miracles are all part of salvation. That's good news. All right, go back to Ephesians 2 with me, Ephesians chapter 2. We wanted to see then, for by grace you have been saved through faith that this word saved includes so much more than just saved from sin. 
We know this grace saves us from sin because even if you back up to verse 5, it says uh, you were dead in your trespasses and sins and by grace you're saved. So we know it, it, it applies to sin. So let me ask you this question. Is being saved from sin the will of God for all? Now, we could say that, but somebody could say, well, prove it. Well, okay, John 3, 16, God so loved the world. The world. Romans 10, 13, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 2 Peter 3, 9, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 1 Timothy 2, 6, Jesus gave his life a ransom for all. Uh, Titus 2, 11 says, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all. Uh, 1 John 2, 2, Jesus is the propitiation for our sins, but not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. So over and over and over and over, we have scriptures that prove it's God's will for all to be saved from sin. So does that mean every single human being can be saved from sin? Yes. Absolutely. So my next question is this. Is being saved from sickness the will of God for all? Well, now that we see this word saved also means healed and made whole, then it must be true that everyone can be healed and made whole in their physical bodies just like everyone can be saved from sin. And just because, listen, just because someone doesn't get saved from sin doesn't mean it's not God's will. You might witness to somebody they don't accept Jesus so they didn't get saved from their sins. That didn't change the will of God. It's still God's will for them to be saved from sin, right? And just because someone didn't receive God's grace of healing doesn't mean it's not God's will for them. That's one of the biggest things that the, the devil does is try and make us question the will of God based on what happened to somebody or even to ourselves. So the question becomes, then how do you receive this healing grace from God? I think uh, we already read that, by grace, through faith. <laughs> by grace, through faith. Faith is the channel that saves us from sin Likewise, faith is the channel that saves us from sickness. But it must be faith in grace. It has to be faith in what Jesus has done and not what we are doing or trying to do. That's how you got saved. When you got saved, it's interesting, you got saved by calling on Jesus what you were doing. You were accepting that at the cross, he bore your sins. And so you accepted that, not based on you being good. I remember one guy that told a pastor friend of mine, my pastor friend invited this sinner to church, and this sinner said, oh, no, I can't come to church. I've got to clean up my act before I come to church. <laughs> and my pastor friend told him, no, you don't need to clean up your act. Come to God, come to God and he'll clean up your act. <laughs> it's not a matter of you coming to God after you've made yourself good enough. No, that's the works of the law. And the works of the law, Paul said, is no man justified, not one person. There's no, none righteous, no, not one. So faith has to be in grace. Faith has to be in what Jesus has done, not what you have done or what you have not done. And the foundation of faith is not always knowing the will of God. Is it the will of God? Well, you're reading the word of God. You, you're reading the last will and testament. This is the will of God. This is how you find out the will of God. That's one of the biggest revelations I got because 
All my life, those first 22 years when I had an incurable disease in my body, I prayed. I always prayed because I was a Christian, got born again at a youth camp at 13 years age, a Methodist youth camp. And this evangelist got up and preached, you need Jesus. Only time I'd ever heard it in my church, I never heard it, that you needed Jesus in my church. But at this youth camp, I heard it. And um, anyway, I called on Jesus and got saved. But then I'm still sick all those years. But I always prayed, Lord, if it be thy will. Lord, if it be thy will. I didn't know it was God's will. So I did the same thing as that leper in Matthew chapter 8. Lord, if it's your will, heal me. And the, the Lord had to tell the leper his will so he could have faith. <laughs> You can't have faith if you don't know the will of God. So you got saved from sin when you found out it was God's will to save all. If you didn't think it was God's will to save everybody, you could not have prayed effectively, Lord, I accept you as my Savior. You would have had to pray, Lord, if it's your will, save me. And if it's your will for me to die and go to hell, then I'll just accept it. No, you would have never gotten saved that way. You have to know that it's God's will for all. God so loved the world, and you're part of that. Can I hear an amen? amen? So we can see from Scripture that it is God's will to save all. Likewise, you have to know the will of God concerning your healing and health for your body. Your faith for healing and health will thrive when you know it's God's will for you. I love what, that, what Jesus said to that leper when the leper asked him, Lord, if it's your will... One translation says, well, of course it's my will. <laughs> How could you even question it, you know? All right, let's continue laying a foundation for our healing by grace through faith. Turn over to Luke chapter 13 with me. Luke chapter 13. These things that I'm showing you here this morning is what put the boldness and the confidence in me that I only needed one doctor and his name is Jesus. I'm not against natural doctors at all. I've, I've sent people to doctors. I've had people take medicine. I'm, I'm not against any of that. But I'm just trying to show there is a higher way. His ways are so much higher than man's ways. And it's wonderful when you do it God's way. So look here at Luke chapter 13, verse number 10. We're going to read this story here. Uh, Jesus was teaching in church, the synagogue, you know, of the day. And it was on the Sabbath, and verse 11 said there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. Now we're going to see as we read this, read on down through this, the spirit of infirmity was causing um, like a terrible bone disease, you know, where she was bent over and could not lift up herself. And so, verse 12, Jesus saw her and called, him, called her to him and said, Woman, you're loose from your infirmity. Interesting, he said you're loose before she was ever loosed. He called those things that be not as though they already are. He said, you're, you're, you're already loosed. And then he laid his hands on her. Immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But then the ruler of the synagogue, you know, get, got mad. You know the story here. And Jesus called him a hypocrite. He said, you're getting mad at me for healing on the Sabbath, but you take your donkey down to the water and give him water on the Sabbath, you big hypocrite, you. And so... Um, then Jesus makes this statement in verse 16. Look at verse 16. He says, Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it for 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he said those things, his adversaries were ashamed. Isn't it sad that the people in the church were his adversaries? That's sad. But I want you to see something here. What was the reason 
that Jesus said she had the right to be healed. Look at verse 16. We get the answer here. The reason Jesus said she had the right to be healed. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound. So we see Satan's the one that's bound her with sickness and disease and uh, did it for 18 years. But Jesus said she ought to be loose from this bond or bondage on the Sabbath. So Jesus said because she was the seed of Abraham, then healing belonged to her. Or in other words, she had a God-given right to be healed because of her lineage. Right? All right, hold your place here. We're going to come right back here and go over to Galatians chapter 3 with me. Galatians chapter 3. Jesus said she had a right to be healed because of her lineage. All right, here in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. If you look up the word sons here, it's actually a Greek word that means children or offspring. That's why I added daughter because it's talking male and female here. He said, you're all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Then look at verse 29. And if you belong to Christ, which of course you do, you know, if you've accepted Jesus, if you belong to Christ, then you're whose seed? Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Remember, she had the right to be healed because she was Abraham's seed. And if you belong to Christ, you're Abraham's seed. It sounds like you have the same right she did. Amen. So you go back to Luke 13, 16. Luke 13, 16, I had you holding it. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath? Therefore, and, and think about this, this is before Jesus went to the cross. This is before he even went to the cross and bore her sickness and disease. And yet because she was Abraham's seed, healing and health belonged to her. And you have it better off than she did. Man, not only are you Abraham's seed, and you are, Galatians 3.29 or 3.29 says you are, but you're also Christ's seed. You're the seed of Jesus. Therefore, healing for your body belongs to you because you're connected to Abraham, and healing belongs to you because you're connected to Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Sometimes preachers, we just want to stop and say, see law. Stop, sit down, and just let you think about that for a minute. Wow. Everybody say, wow. wow. Now say it backwards. Wow. I saw some of you hesitate. <laughs> backwards. What, what, what? Oh, okay. All right. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 53 with me. Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. This is the great redemptive chapter. We're establishing that if you're going to be healed by grace... Through faith, and your faith has to be in what Jesus did for you alone, period. Not what you've done or have not done. People have gotten works, works of the law messed up with works of righteousness. Yes, we work our righteousness. We, we believe and we act on the word of God, but it's not to try and get something Jesus already got for us. We do it out of the truth that we already have it, and we're just thankful, so we do the word because we love God. Kind of like Pastor Dave was talking about with tithing. My wife and I got a hold of that years ago. I don't tithe because I have to. In the New Testament, you don't have to tithe. Under grace, you don't have to tithe. Now, you're stupid if you don't, but you, you don't have to tithe under grace. Under grace, 
I'm telling you what, you get to do it because it's not a law issue, it's a lordship issue. That was, the, that was the whole thing Liz and I got a hold of. We found out tithing wasn't instituted under the law when they gave God 10%. They had to do it. It was mandatory. It was law. But before there was a law, Abraham did it because it was a lordship issue. It was a heart issue. It was a faith issue. So same thing in the new covenant when you study out tithing in Hebrews chapter 7, you find out, hey, we get to tithe because we love God. We don't, I don't have to do it. I want to do it. I'm going to. I found, I found out God's smarter than I am. <laughs> and since he's the one that owns all the gold and silver cattle on a thousand hills, he knows how to get it into the hands of those that will make him Lord. You know what the word Lord means? Most people make Jesus Savior, but they don't make him Lord. Lord means controller. And that doesn't mean, okay, now Jesus, you can control my health, but you can't control my money. No, control means he's Lord. You give him Lord of, Lord of all, not Lord of some. Amen. That wasn't part of my message this morning, but somebody needed to hear that. So the great redemptive chapter. Look at Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. Isaiah 53, 4, which says, Surely Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripe or blow or bruise, we are healed. Woo. All we like sheep have gone astray. The next verse, we have turned everyone his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, that's God, the Lord God, laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity or sins of us all. And then verse 10 I love this. Verse 10 said, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him and put him to grief. God was actually pleased to have to put Jesus to death and lay the sins of the whole world because he knew his whole plan of redemption was about to come to pass. And he knew he was going to be getting us all back. He was going to win humanity back in favor to himself because of what Jesus did at the cross. Wow. So, notice in verse 4, surely Jesus bore our griefs, carried our sorrows. For those of you that may not have studied this word grief and sorrows, you, know, you might know this. The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. The Hebrew word for grief here means, it does mean grief, so it includes emotional problems. But the word grief also means sickness and disease. And then the word sorrows, I looked it up in the Hebrew, and the Hebrew word also means pains. So the two words together, Jesus bore my sickness, he bore my disease, and he bore my physical pains. Yes, he also bore my grief, anxiety, and, and emotional pains and all that as well. But I found out that it included, which we found out salvation includes sickness and disease, right? That this great redemptive chapter is also showing us that Jesus bore our sickness and disease when he was on the cross. In fact, my grandmother, you got, some of you might remember this testimony, but a lot of you never have because you never heard me before. But my grandmother at 75 years old was dying of cancer. She had terminal cancer. Doctors gave her six months to live. And I called her up. She lived in Brooksville, Florida. I was still living in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the time. And I called her up and I said, Grandma, I said, uh, 
the late, he's the late Kenneth E. Hagan now, but then I said, Grandma, uh, Kenneth E. Hagan's going to be holding a he faith and healing crusade in Winter Haven, Florida. That's not too far from you, a couple hours. I said, uh, can you come down to that meeting? Because Brother Hagan's had a lot of people healed of cancer, and you can get healed too. My grandmother, she was a pretty feisty old lady and kind of mean. I don't ever remember seeing her smile or laugh, but I, I didn't think she would accept my invitation. And so I invited her, hoping maybe she would. And so I said, Grandma, would you come on down to this meeting and get healed? And she said, okay, I'll come. I said, you will? She said, yeah. And uh, so she came down, and Brother Hagen started on a Sunday night. And he, so he taught, and I, and I told my grandmother, I said, now, Grandma, I said, Brother Hagen will have a healing line probably every service, every night. And, uh, but I don't want you to get in the healing line right away. I just want you to sit. I want you to wait till the end of the week. She didn't understand, well, I came down to be healed. Why can't I get in the healing line? I said, just trust me. Just sit and listen to the word of God. And then right. at the end of the week, then you can get in the healing line if you want to. And she thought, well, if I want to, of course I want to. That's why I'm here. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, if I can get her to hear the word, she can get healed sitting right there in a chair without ever having hands laid on her. And so... Um, she agreed, and so she sat Sunday morning or Sunday night service. Monday morning, Brother Hagan was having three services a day. Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Monday night. Uh, Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. After the Wednesday morning service, she walked up to me. I could tell something had changed just because she had a smile on her face. <laughs> something different. My grandmother's smiling. She came up. She said, Larry, guess what? I said, what? She said, I don't need to get in the healing line now. I said, Grandma, why don't you need to get in the healing line? She said, I'm already healed. Haven't you been listening? <laughs> I said, well, yeah, but, but, but how, how do you know you're healed? She says, it is written. And she quoted this verse and a few other verses that Brother Hagin had been sharing on the subject that Jesus bore our sickness and disease. She said this. She said, it is written, Jesus bore my sicknesses. Right here, this says so. Jesus bore my sickness, and then she said this, no use, both of us bearing it. <laughs> that was revelation. She realized, well, wait a minute, it's, it's no different than sin. Like if Jesus bore your sin, does he want you bearing it? I mean, like if all of a sudden you're tempted to sin, are you supposed to go, you know, I have to yield to this because Jesus bore it with me, not for me. Duh, no, you know better. You know Jesus bore it so you don't have to. And that's what this word bear, if you look up this word bear, Jesus bore, it's a substitutionary term in the Hebrew. It means he took your place so you don't have to. Like, how many ever had a substitute teacher in school? Yeah, the substitute teacher took the place of the regular teacher. That means the regular teacher didn't have to be there. That's what Jesus did for you. You don't have to be there in that sickness or disease. So my grandmother took hold of it. That service, that was Wednesday, Brother Hagan went on through Friday night. By Friday night, my grandmother was completely healed. All cancer, all trace of cancer had disappeared from her body. That was at 75, and thousands of people were there to witness this. And then uh, that was at 75 years of age. Cancer never did return to her body, and she lived till she was 95. So God sent his word, like Psalm 107.20, he sent his word and healed her and delivered her from destruction. Amen. Same thing Jesus did for me. He bore all of my sickness, all of my disease, and it 
please the Lord to bruise him. That stripe, that bruise that God laid on Jesus, it pleased the Lord to do that. When God laid on Jesus your sins, he laid on Jesus your sickness, he laid on Jesus your depression, he laid on Jesus your fear, he laid on Jesus every curse. And by that stripe, by that blow, by that bruise, you have been healed, saved, delivered, preserved, made whole. But you have to put your faith in that grace. Amen. Makes it so much easier when it's not something I have to do. And that's why I, I, I love the truth that, that grace and faith work together. You, you don't separate, well, I'm a grace person. Well, I'm a faith person. Well, I'm, no, 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 no. You, grace and faith work together. That's why I love listening to Brother Andrew Womack because he's so balanced on grace and faith. You have to understand that your faith has got to be in grace and not what you've done. And I'm so glad when, when the grace message became more prominent so that faith people could put the two together and realize, you know what? I, I've had so many people come up to me for years. I've been doing this for 40 years now, so I've, I've learned a few things and stumbled across a few things. And I found out so many people are saying, you know what? If I, could just, if I can just confess this a thousand times, it'll happen. If I'll just, you know, if I just, if Brother, Brother Hutton, your, your heaven's health food, if I can just listen to that a hundred times or a thousand times until I have enough faith to be healed. No, God, Romans 12, 3 said, God already gave you faith. You have, enough, you have a mustard grain of faith that can move any mountain. You don't need more faith. You need to act on the faith you already have. Are you with me? Wow, time flies when you're having fun. Go, go, wow, I got to cover some more stuff here. Um, go with me over to Matthew, Matthew chapter 8. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know what? Yeah, we'll go there next. Go, hold, if you're already there in Matthew, hold, I'm going to go there after I go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, because 1 Peter chapter 2 uh, quotes what you just saw in Isaiah, and then Matthew, when we go there, Matthew 8, you'll see the same thing. He's also quoting Isaiah. So we get to see in the New Testament that it, that Old Testament prophet Isaiah was prophesying something that belongs to us today. But 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse number 24, it says, Jesus himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Everybody say on the tree. So we know that's talking about being on the cross, right? On the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. By whose stripe or blow or bruise we've been healed. If you read Vine's Expository Dictionary, Vine, W.E. Vine's actually says a bruise uh, is what it's talking about. Literally in the originals, it, it was translated bruise. And that's what it meant, not talking about any stripes from Roman soldiers, but figuratively of uh, the divine judgment administered to him vicariously to Jesus on the cross. Vicariously, Vines uses that word meaning Jesus took you're in my place. He did it for us so you didn't have to do it. And so he says by that bruise, not, this is literally what Vine says, uh, by whose bruise, not referring to Christ's scourging or not, not referring to the whips of the Roman soldiers, but figuratively of the stroke of divine judgment administered vicariously to him on the cross. It's interesting that the Lord said that because the Lord had said to me many years ago, he said, it's not what man did to Jesus that brought you healing because I was always confused about the stripes. And he said, it's not what man did to Jesus that brought you healing. It's what I did to Jesus. 
when I laid on him the iniquity of, of you all. And then it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It was that bruise, it was that blow, it was that stripe, it was that wound that brought us healing, that brought us everything. Couldn't have been the stripes of the Roman soldiers because that was before he went to the cross. And he couldn't bear your sickness until he went to the cross. The stripes of the Roman soldiers were part of Jesus' suffering. The crown of thorns were part of Jesus and he suffered for us. And now... We have to suffer for him. I mean, how many of us suffer now for our testimony? If you stand up and believe what's right is right and people call what's right is wrong now. I mean, we have a government and, and authorities and different people now that are just coming out in the open and saying, that's not sin and I can live this way and, and you're wrong and they call your good evil and they call their evil good. And they're reprobate minds and they're void of judgment. We're seeing things come to pass that no generation has ever seen before. Wow. That's why when people tell me, because I've had people say, Brother Larry, you know, you, you keep talking about the end, of Jesus, the end of times coming real close. Jesus is going to be coming real soon. He said, you know, and I've heard somebody say this, you know what, my parents said that, my grandparents said that, my great-grandparents said that, every generation has always said that, Jesus is coming soon. I said, well, yeah, Paul said that. <laughs> that doesn't change the truth that no generation has seen what this generation has seen to the point where people are calling, I mean, all kinds of leaders and governments and nations calling evil good and calling good evil and trying to do away with the church. And the Bible talks about they've come to, if you've ever studied Romans chapter 1, where they become reprobate in their minds and they're void of judgment. They actually think what evil they're doing is right. That's a reprobate mind and unable to make correct judgment. We're seeing that happen. No generation has ever seen what we're seeing happen. Plus the alignment of, of the nations against Israel and all that's going on for the Ezekiel 38 war that's going to be taking place. Oh, man. Baby, get ready. Jesus is going to split the cloud soon. But before he does, we're going to see the greatest revival of miraculous things by the Spirit of God. I'm going to prophesy right now. We're going to see the most mighty move of God that we've ever seen on the face of the earth. And God, is, God told me, he said, I'm going to move so mightily that even fake news won't be able to hide it. He said, and here's why they won't be able to hide it is because I'm going to be healing and doing miracles to their children and to their uh, parents and to their grandchildren and to their grandparents and I'm going to do such mighty things that they aren't going to want to hide it. They're going to say, look what the Lord has done. And he said, it will spread throughout the earth it very, very quickly so that billions, this is what the Lord told me, not a billion, billions will come into the kingdom like that. He said, you will see the miraculous happen like popcorn happening. He said, then at the same time, he said, evil is going to wax worse and worse. Darkness is going to rise up. The evil will rise up. So you've got to be prepared in your spirit to be a light shining in that darkness. It's going to be so, folks. There's going to be a lot of heart-wrenching times for us in the, in the future. Even though we're going to be seeing Alzheimer's healed, dementia healed, Lou Gehrig's healed, Parkinson's healed, and, and crippled people raised up, and blind eyes, and people that didn't have eyeballs, new eyeballs preparing the sockets. We're going to see all kinds of miraculous. 
at the same time, you're going to have a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. That's worse than 9-11, folks. 10,000 people. And you don't think that's going to be heart-wrenching? We love people. And so seeing people die cursing God and going to hell is not going to be easy on us. But we're going to have to step in as the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And that's going to bring droves into the kingdom of God. We may not be able to save the world. Jesus wasn't able to save the world even though he did everything necessary to save the world. There are going to be some that curse God and die. We can't change that, but we're going to try and get every one of them saved. We're going to pray. And let me, let me just say this by the Spirit of God. Don't hate people. Hate evil. It's not people. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. So learn to separate the two. I don't care if the person is a different political party and, and, and they want to kill babies in the womb or whatever the th nature is. Listen, you don't hate people. God so loved the world. God loves them. God loved you and me after we'd committed all kinds of sins. I don't care if you've had abortions. I don't care if you've done adultery. I don't care what you've done. If that's all in your past and you've been washed in the blood of Jesus... Man, I'm telling you what, thank God, that can give us compassion for other people that we meet that are going through sin and living in sin. We need to love people. And love, we, can, we can love them right to the gates of hell if we have to. Because God, any moment they can just lift up their voice and say, Jesus, save me, and God will save them right out of hell. I heard somebody say one time, in fact, they said it to me, well, if God, this God of love, how could he ever let somebody go to hell? I said, he doesn't let them. He lets them make a choice. God's not made anybody a puppet. God's made every human being a free will human that gets to make a choice. That's why Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he's the life you're supposed to choose. He said, no man comes to the Father but by me. I've heard people say, well, there's many ways to God. No, there's only one way, and his name is Jesus. All the other religions serve dead gods. We serve a risen, live, risen living Savior. Amen. That is good preaching, Brother Hutton. Thank you. I'll go ahead then. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripe blow bruised, you were healed. And by the way, this is not talking about spiritual healing here. The spiritual part was he bore your sins in his own body on the tree that you being dead in sin should live unto righteousness. There's the spiritual part. You're not healed spiritually. You're recreated spiritually. God doesn't put a big Holy Ghost band-aid on you to heal you spiritually. No, he just recreates you, makes you a brand new creation. Old things passed away. Right? So this is talking about by whose stripe blow bruise you were healed, talking about physically. So at the cross, just like he bore your sin, he bore your sickness. So you put your faith in that he bore my sin and you become righteous before you ever do one right thing. You don't have to do one right thing to become righteous. All you have to do is accept Jesus' righteousness. That's grace. So you put your faith in grace and you became righteous and now you can live righteously because you're living his righteousness. Guess what? By that stripe, by that blow, bruise that God placed on Jesus, you also are healed. 
So you have to put your faith in that, that I am healed before I feel healed, before the cancer tumor even began to dissolve and disappear, I'm already healed. God already took care of that at the cross 2,000 years ago. That's why I refuse to fear. Well, I already know the end of this thing. It looked terrible. It felt terrible. I couldn't even lay... I couldn't even lay on that side of my face. And I, I like laying on my sides when I sleep at night. I like turning over to the other side. But I couldn't lay on that side because of the pain that that tumor caused. So I had to continually fight thoughts. But these are the kind of truths that help me fight those thoughts Amen. is continually speaking, it is written. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care what it looks like. Every day I'd get out of bed and go into the bathroom mirror and I'd say, I don't care what you say, tumor. I don't care what you say, cancer. You're leaving my body. I'm not, I'm not changing what I believe. I believe what I said shall come to pass. Therefore, the Bible said, I shall have what I say. That means, tumor, you're out of here. See, I knew the end from the beginning. That's your Father God. As He is, so are you in this world. I knew the end already. The end result is that tumor could not stay on my body. That cancer cannot stay on my body. Cannot. Why? Because I'm already healed. By His stripe we were. Worm is past tense, pointing back to the cross. So if we were, I was. As soon as I accepted that, grace started flowing, even though I didn't feel it or see it instantly. In a month, gone, it was totally gone. And now you guys have gotten to see the proof of it. (laughs) All right, let's close over in Matthew chapter 8. Wow, time flies when you're having fun. Matthew chapter 8. It says, when the evening had come, this is verse 16, Matthew 8. So so this eighth chapter is where the first four verses, Jesus heals the leper. And then verses 5 through 13, Jesus heals the centurion's servant. And then verses 14 to 15, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. And then it comes to verse 16. When the evening had come, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed, sozoed, all that were sick. Verse 17 tells us why he healed the sick. To fulfill what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Wait a minute, what did Isaiah say? Surely he bore my grief and carried my sorrow. Remember, we found out it also means sickness, disease, and pain. Look at what Matthew says it means. He said, surely, uh, or that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he, Jesus, himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, proving that when Isaiah said he bore our grief and sorrow, it also included sickness and disease. Jesus bore my sickness. Like my grandma said, no use, both of us buried it. Amen. Is this all right? So I wanted to encourage my family because, listen, in the days ahead, you may get attacked with sickness or disease. You may get attacked with something. They, you know, Wuhan come up with a new virus. Who knows? I mean, China, whoever, they may come up with some new thing. But you don't have to be afraid of it. You don't have to fear because if Jesus bore it, he bore everything, whether it's Satan made or Wuhan virus made. <laughs> and any, anyway, even if it is man-made, if disease is sickness is, is made by man, it's still instigated by Satan. All sickness and disease is out of the works of the kingdom of darkness. And you and I don't have to be afraid of any, any of it because Jesus... God, the Holy Ghost, already took care of all of it at the cross. 